Unleavened Bread Ministries presents from your hands, your feet, your Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels. Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you so much for giving warning of the things to come. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you will give to your people in the days to come to turn to you and uh, have a great revival. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to talk about Plague, Invasion, Revival, Refuge. I'm going to lay a little foundation here. Um, a U.S. military camp at Eagles Pass, Texas, was bringing in and housing Iran's Revolutionary Guardsmen. Uh, this is a well, well-planned effort to take down the United States of America from the inside an active, well-coordinated invasion into the nation, said General Flynn. General Flynn shared uh, this Eagle Pass Texas military camp uh, video, which I'll leave here. And um, Eagles Pass Texas has a military camp where they are housing and bringing young adult military-aged men uh, from uh, the river onto white bases, uh, buses, excuse me, into this facility. And this has been a planned, coordinated effort to take down the United States of America from the inside. This is an active, well-coordinated invasion into the nation. We have Iran's Revolutionary Guard and QST, QST forces flying into Venezuela, and Venezuelan government is then giving them passports and proper documentation. And if you think that fertilizer is not going to be used, that ammonium nitrate can be used to as massive bombs. 26 tons of ammonium nitrate turned up missing. Tim McVeigh only used two tons to blow up the Murrah building. And this is uh, all from General Flynn. There is an invasion of Chinese immigrants flowing over the southern border. I believe most of their reasons are false uh, for coming across the border. And the liberal deep state, of course, is giving all kinds of false information about why they're coming across the border. Uh, good moral things, you know, but they're lying. Uh, the deep state is touting it as a victory for what? Uh, it looks like to me a military takeover of the country. Um, and these are mostly military-aged men. Uh, here's another article. Former current border officials slam Biden administration for touting success of illegal immigration policies. Uh, the Daily Caller. We're still in the middle of the worst self-inflicted border security crisis in our time, and they're trying to claim victory, Morgan added. 
Border authorities aren't turning away any migrants uh, using the CBP One Phone app, uh, one of the Biden administration's legal pathways to claim asylum at ports of entry. Uh, DHS immigration official Blas Nunan Nato uh, told reporters on a phone call Wednesday. Here's another one. These numbers are staggering. Chinese migrants continue to surge across the southern border. The Daily Caller. Border Patrol encountered 3,182 migrants from China at the U.S.-Mexico border in April alone, according to CBP data. Well, uh, I always shared a smaller portion of this uh, in our local meeting, but uh, I thought it really important that we get out to larger UBM so everyone can pray accordingly and prepare accordingly, whatever that might mean. This is uh, Dana Coverstone's revelation. Let me show you something. Um, 51923. Uh, this revelation seems to be the backlash of the deep state against the supporters of the alliance and the American people in general. And uh, I believe that Cyrus is, um, will accomplish what the Bible says he will accomplish in bringing down the deep state and also supplying for the revival of the kingdom of God. Okay, here's a preface. Dana said that this dream lasted from April the 17th to May the 16th, almost a month, almost 30 days. It's been one of the longest dreams he's had, he said. The dream, he said, began with me sitting in the top of a very tall tree, looking down on fog and mist that hung over the entire nation. It was covering over Canada and Mexico as well. It did not cover the water, just this nation, only the land. Well, <laughs> it appears that a fog... uh as a fog, but it is uh, man-made, obviously, and controlled. Uh, prevailing winds would remove it from its place. But he said, uh, just covered the nation, only the land. Huh. I can see the physical land covered in fog. It covered Canada and Mexico as well, but it looked like the fog was churning. It was moving. It was staying in place over the United States of America. So this is man-made and controlled. Uh, and he went on to say, but it was not that way over Mexico or Canada. It reminded me of a locust swarm that you can see like in a National Geographic photo. The locusts in Joel chapter 2 were, were the Assyrian army that was able to take down apostate northern ten tribes of Israel, but not the bride, Jerusalem. It was just moving effortlessly, but it was also frothing. It was like the steam coming off of hot coffee or hot cocoa or hot tea or something. But what it covered was thick and you could not see anything below what you were seeing but the top of the fog. Well, true fog skips 
dry areas and uh, manifests over damp, watery places. Uh, so this is not a true fog. And as I was pondering the moving of the fog and when the man appeared to me, uh, and I believe the man is Jesus, I do too, or he says a representative of the Holy Spirit at times, uh, I don't think so, but he came out and he simply said, let me show you something. Um, and he grabbed my hand and we stepped out into the air because it was in a tall tree looking down. I was uh, kind of hanging, you know, like holding on to a limb with my feet just looking at it. I'm thankful that God sees all things and uh, that are going on. He knows what's coming and he knows what's happening. And I just had that sense that I was watching um, what was about to be instructed or told some things. We descended down through the fog, um, and there we were not flying. It was like we were walking. The fog seemed to be very evil and very intentional. It appeared to try to reach out and grab me with these eerie ethereal arms. It's a uh, menace to man, of course, we can see, and uh, it will kill many, I believe. It was almost like the fog was alive. Well, I say it is alive, and it is alive to spread disease. Okay? It was dark. It was evil. But it was trying to grab hold. The man led me on until he reached the ground, and then he said, Look up. And when he said that, I realized that the fog was gone, but I could see jets that were flying in all directions, and it appeared to be around uh, 7 o'clock or 7.30 at night. It was dusk. Well, how often have we seen the same thing, chemtrails? You know, maybe not that thick, but um, definitely... Uh, the lights were going off as possible. As excuse me, as the people were getting ready for bed, darkness was hitting. It was almost like I could see traffic had stopped and people were home going to bed and uh, and getting ready for work the next day. And probably poisoned as they slept, you know. So I'm watching all these jets that are going back and forth north, south, east, and west, flying in all directions. It was obviously dusk, and the lights were going out. And that's when I realized that I heard this loud hissing, and every single jet was spraying something out of the exhaust. And his note was, Now, we would call these things chemtrails, and I've discussed some of that. And he went on, and the jets flying north, would be going north for a while, and then suddenly turn around and come back and spray the same way. The ones going east would go east for a couple of miles and then come back, and it was like regional, okay? It wasn't like one jet going all the way north and south. It was not just east and west. It was like this in every state, 
There were jets flying over in every state, every region, every area in that sense. And the jets flying east and west were doing what the ones going north and south were doing. They kept blanketing the country in whatever it was spraying. And the time passed, and the jets disappeared. Well, I'll remind you in A.A. Allen's vision that he saw the same thing. And then people started dropping dead everywhere in the United States. Then I saw people getting up, uh, leaving their houses, and going to work. So all of this stuff was being done at night. And the sense that I have about it was a whole lot of evil that's going on right here and right now in our world. This spraying was going on at night when no one was aware. No one was watching and no one was awake. Almost as if there were some elite and corporate plan to poison the nation. Well, it's a satanic depopulation cult plan, right? Once again, the fog was over Mexico and Canada, but it was not moving anywhere except the United States of America. Also, I realize that this is probably a real conspiracy, these things uh, that were going on, the things that we're seeing in uh, that regard, and it's all happening at night, so nobody sees them. He said, people are getting up for school, getting on the buses, going to school, and then the next thing that I see happening is this. I was standing in Times Square watching those Jumbotron television screens with a breaking news item of a major outbreak of a new virus. Now, the timeline that I could tell in the dream is late summer, early fall, as the news broadcasts were talking about this. Late summer, early fall. The World Health Organization was laying out guidelines that must be followed regardless of constitutions or national law. Well, this is to kill the population and make money for the deep state pharmaceutical companies, right? Those uh, are the two words they used, regardless of constitutions or national law. There were military tanks and Hummers that started patrolling as the announcements were being made. And I said to the man that the jets appeared to be the source of the medical issue. The man nodded and said, There's more to see. And then we suddenly appeared on the southern border. So you had this uh, um, poison being sprayed out, and then... Maybe shortly after the clouds move, um, this happened on the southern border. Okay, He said, there's more to see. And then we suddenly appeared on the southern border. So here I saw that the news was complicit and almost an accomplice with what was going on and what, what was being said. Obviously, somebody was behind this, and it was happening at night. And so who knows? If that's the cause of the disease. Yeah, that's right. That's what they've been doing. Um, 
Uh, all we realize is that there is something sinister happening in our world, and it's being allowed. It's being pushed, probably by those in power. Then he said to me, there's more to see. Suddenly I'm on the southern border. I saw an enormous line of volcanoes that seemed to have sprung up overnight, and they were just on the border. Just on the border? That's strange. Uh, they covered from the western port of California, part, point of California, all the way to Texas. Literally, these were volcanoes on the border. Well, I'll just say HARP has the ability to awaken volcanoes and possibly even to create them um, over underground lava flows. And it possibly could flow through huge tunnels made on the border by the deep state nuclear boring machines. I say that because I've seen a straight line um, that was used to divert a fracture in the earth and it was a straight line because it was used it was uh, using boring machines to make an underground uh, break in the ground uh, so but also I want to say that volcanoes can represent hell's demons coming out upon the earth to join with the wicked enemies amen Revelation 9, 2 and 3 says, And he opened the pit of the abyss, and there went up a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were very tall. They shadowed the ground. And I cannot emphasize this enough. It was volcanoes on the border, and they were shooting hundreds of miles up into the air. The ground was shaking, seemingly creaking, and the volcanoes trembled, and they started erupting magma and lava. And they uh, suddenly, the entire border shook. And I saw the volcanoes appear to grow, and the ground below them looked like it was torn. Now, like as if you ever have seen a tree that gets knocked over in the wind or damaged by a tornado, there was just a little area of the earth that was opened. Okay, yes, you see a root ball come up on a tree when it tips over, you know, and there's an area of dirt there. Okay, so the volcanoes um, tipped backwards. They were still spewing lava and all these other things, but there was a hole where the volcanoes came up along the entire southern border. I think that this can only be man-made, like the border itself is a man-made thing, right? So... At that moment, all sorts of people uh, dressed like normal migrants came running out, and they were sprinting. Well, these would be in addition to those who have already come across the border and those anarchists and radical Muslims already inside the United States 
and the left-wing military faction. Uh, it's been reported that millions of migrants are below the border waiting, and many are military-age men. And also there are many communist Chinese there to support their deep state, right? MS-13 has been an arm of the deep state military, too. So this is a really uh, coordinated effort to bring down the United States. They were running as hard and as fast as they possibly could to get into the country. And as they ran, they were taking off backpacks, and they were pulling out weapons, and they were pulling, uh, putting them together. Uh, there were weapons that would, could be folded down, and they were unfolding, and they were pulling them out. They were putting clips in, but they are doing it as they were running, and they were running as hard as they could. The people in uh, the American side were watching the eruptions, watching the magma and the lava and the smoke and the ash cloud as they didn't even notice that the people that were running towards them underneath that. They pointed to the sky making all sorts of faces and making noises almost as if they were watching fireworks. They were just like, oh wow, and look at that. And they were pointing over there and over here and saying things like, look at that. They were looking up and they did not see any of the people that were rushing towards them uh, beneath, right? And now the runners were running up and they were shooting and they were teaming up on people and they were storming properties, but they took nothing. They weren't there to steal. They were there to kill. When they went into the homes and the houses, they took nothing. They just shot people. They killed the people. They sprinted on, and they were moving with skilled intent and military precision. They would come together to a house, and they would go in and would see gunfire. They run out, not taking a thing. They were brutal. They showed no mercy. And there were some that carried samurai swords, and they were beheading many people along the way. What I saw was this, that we don't have an immigration issue. We have an invasion going on, and what you don't know will kill you. People are looking at the wrong things. People are seeing the whole wrong issue of what's going on out there instead of looking at what's really happening and seeing what's really happening and the danger uh, that this is. We just kind of push it off and think, oh, Washington will fix that or whatever. I saw death and destruction. I saw danger. I saw chaos on the border, and it was rushing towards us. It was rushing north. This was on purpose and a dismantling, and this was also on purpose a distraction. Back at Times Square, the broadcaster was informing citizens that spectacular eruptions on the southern border were getting people out of their homes to watch. So now they're saying, hey, hey, folks, you need to go out uh, of your homes and watch these incredible magma fields and watch these incredible volcanic eruptions 
that are going on. Going outside and watch. Go outside and watch. He also encouraged anyone within a hundred miles of the border, and that's exactly what he said. He said, if you live within a hundred miles of the border, you need to go outside immediately and see if you can see them from where you are. Well, on foot, uh, they could not go very far without stealing vehicles from their victims, maybe a hundred miles before the volcanoes were out of view and uh, their attack was discovered and people and the good side of the military would take them down. So, uh, but this is a coordinated thing. The nation is dealing with a plague and uh, the military is scattered dealing with a plague and so they do this. So they can get farther than what people might think. And I said to the man, the newsman is trying to get people outside so that they will be killed. And the man nodded. And then he said, there's more. I think all of us know that the news media is complicit in the lies that are coming out of our leadership. Suddenly we're standing outside the capital of Washington, D.C., Then I could hear all kinds of noise going on inside the Capitol building and someone yelling with a bullhorn. Now, a bullhorn is just a cheap way to get attention. If you don't have a sound system or good balance or stereo or speakers, you use a bullhorn. It's cheap communication. Well, uh, but all, but these people are talking about taking the country back. Obviously from the alliance and the Trump, okay, and making people listen. They wanted people to listen. So there were screams that seemed very demonic and just wild coming out of the humans. It was like growls and screams and cries, demonic, almost like banshees. And there was a fence outside the Capitol building. They were they surrounded it. But suddenly police and military people came and they tied ropes like they made loops and threw them up on the tops of the fence like a noose. And they grabbed the bottom parts of the fence and they began to pull them down like they were pulling with all their might, pulling the fence down. They bent the fences over. They didn't uh, push them out of the way. They didn't knock them down. They pulled them down. Well, we have been told that military tribunals are being held there at this time and that there is no government in there. So, hence the fence, okay? But the fence symbolizes something else, I think, and as we are going to see. And then, just as suddenly, the doors of the Capitol pushed open and the congressmen, congresswomen, senators, faces of people I recognize, people who are in power, leadership, elected officials at the federal level. Yes, and many of them are Satanists, uh, the head of the dragon, seeking to devour the people. And they all came rushing out into the streets, and they were jumping and leaping and stepping over those fences. Again, I believe this symbolizes something. 
So this could just symbolize that the, the leftist D.C. leadership, some under investigation, will escape and will join to be behind this invasion against the people. And as far as I know, they are not meeting in the Capitol building anymore, but it is a symbol of our government. And they were armed, he said. They were armed with guns and clubs, and they began attacking and beating any citizen that was close. Uh, well, symbolizing their abuse of the people, no doubt, as we're seeing that what they're doing with laws and so on and so forth, right? They left this extremely bloody trail, and they pursued people until the people became so exhausted they dropped from exhaustion, and then they beat them to death. I watched elected officials beat these people to death. Yeah, they're abusing people now, and I think that's probably what it, it symbolizes. We're going to see more of the same. Uh, now, I do not think this was what's going to physically happen. I think the whole point of it is that the people who were there were the ones that make the laws, the one who provide for those things out there. And this is horrific because they were beating people to death in the streets and it was getting darker. Well, I would say through more demonic possession and death. It was horrific to the point uh, I said to the man, why are our elected officials doing this to the people? Well, this time he didn't move. He didn't nod. He didn't move his head at all. But he said, there's more to see. And it suddenly became very, very quiet. Folks, we have laws that are changing and shifting, and we have people that believe that men can be pregnant, and men can be women, and women can be men, and everything else. And we know better. Uh, how can they believe that unless they're totally demon-possessed, right? Right. We, we absolutely know better. We're starting to see culture believing every single lie that's being pushed out of there. And then we have new laws are being passed uh, to promote those lies. Think about it. Yes, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The Congress began to beat these people to death. They were attacking ordinary citizens. I saw families taking pictures outside the Capitol who were just pummeled and beaten down by people, and the elected officials who were running were covered in blood from the people that they had beaten to death. I think this means that they are guilty of the blood of the people. Amen. And they just kept on going, looking for somebody else to attack and beat on. The man didn't move his head when I said, why are elected officials doing this to the people? He didn't move his head at all. He just simply said, there's more to see. Well, obviously we know what this is. We know that the government is corrupt. We know that the government is compromised. And everything it is and was and is going to be. It's not to be trusted. It's not going to be a help of us at all. Well, 
and let me say, and the Alliance has gathered all their crimes to prosecute in many cases and execute them as is going on now. So they're desperately trying to save their lawless lives, right? Continuing with the dream, the difference in what I just heard with the screams for help and the people running was significant. Now everything was quiet. So I've seen the jets spraying, I've seen the volcanoes erupting and the distraction of the volcanoes going off. And all the people were watching. The people were running out from the border and they were headed out towards anyone they could kill uh, and uh, going through America. And they were headed north. Uh, No one was headed south. Then I was standing on the banks of a river early in the morning. It was early morning. It was quiet. And if you're a morning person, you understand there's just a morning feel. There's a small amount of fog that began to dissipate. And I could hear frogs croaking in the background. So the frog is now dissipated and we're talking about something else, okay? I hear fish jumping in the water. Suddenly there was no noise at all. Well, could be because a lot of people are sick or dying or dead. It became deathly quiet. I remember it being almost uneasy because it was so quiet. And then the man stood beside me quietly and he pointed to his head. He did this twice. He pointed across the river, so he taps his head, he taps near his ear twice and points across the river. So I walked to the edge of the river, and I listened uh, as intently as I possibly could, because I could hear nothing. So I began to strain to hear, because I knew that the man had pointed twice and tapped his ear twice, making the point that he was telling me to listen. Finally, I began to hear what sounded like muffled little cries. The fog continued to lift and I could see the sun shining, and now I'm looking at a little country church. And it was at the end of this long gravel road, but there were no cars parked near this church. I could hear people inside the little church. The windows were open, and I could hear them crying out. And there was just a wisp of fire just like as if you got a fire that's almost dying. There was a little wisp of fire that was on the roof of that little church, and it's burning. I could see it in the sun. Well, fire on the roof obviously represents revival of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 3 and 4 It says, And there appeared unto them tongues parting asunder like as a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And also, I'll just remind you that in A.A. Allen's vision, we heard the sounds of singing and rejoicing 
and there was a people who were spared in the cleft of the rock, and apparently in revival. Mm-hmm. You, you can guarantee that. <laughs> it's a little country church, and the windows were are open and this long gravel road but no cars so i immediately got the idea that nobody drove here hmm everybody walking well we have dreams of an emp hitting the united states which would eliminate the vehicles and most of our military because they depend on uh um the natural resources of the country rather than military resources. I know the Russians um, stuck with tubes in their equipment instead of chips because they knew that um, tubes were um, innocuous to to EMP, but uh, chips are not. Um, And for there to be any success, uh, any planned invasion as we're seeing, would likely start with an EMP. Uh, Everybody walked down this long gravel road. They walked down this uneasy gravel road, and they came down there with one reason. That reason was to pray. They were crying out, and they were repenting, and they were calling out names of elected officials. I heard governors' names. I heard senators' names. I heard congressmen's names. I heard names of leaders in this country. And I heard those of people calling out their names and asking God to expose the corruption in them. Asking God that they would repent. They were asking God for conviction to come to their hearts and their lives and their mind. They were praying that corruption would be exposed And that was the highlight of it. And they were praying in tongues, too. Something else that caught my attention, I heard them speaking specifically in English and in Spanish. And I kept hearing certain Spanish words. And they were praying with a passion. It was refreshing. And as I walked closer to the building in this dream, I began to see the people inside. They were packed, and there was no walking room. These people were packed together, and they were praying, and they were praying with passion, and there was fire in their prayers. And they were going, I mean, they were going at it. If you ever have ever seen a, in a Pentecostal prayer time where the focus is on God and God's presence is there, uh, the fire is hot. And this is what I'm saying. It was that type of atmosphere. And there's a table stand with a globe, like uh, a little pillar with a globe, like one of the things that you see in the school. And you could spin it, and it was standing on a pillar near the pulpit. And there were people who laid their hands on that globe, and they were praying for the nations. They were calling out for kings and queens and prime ministers and leaders and officials and presidents. They were calling out uh, the leaders of nations. I heard Zelensky's name. I heard Putin's name. I heard King Charles's name. I heard Trudeau's name. I heard the Mexican president's name. 
I heard different places from all people who were just praying, and this whole room was full. Nobody was talking or looking around. They were engaged in prayer the whole time they were there. They were praying intently. They were focused. There was passion, and there was fire. They laid their hands on that globe, and they were praying for the nations, and they were praying for those nations by name. And I began to pray on the outside of the window. And the man said to go tell them that he was pleased with their passion, but they must not stop. This was an absolute determined cry on God's behalf to tell the truth. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't think this is too bad. It's too ugly. Don't think it is. We've got to keep praying, folks. And then he said this to me, Prayer is the most effective way to push back the darkness that's both here and coming. So nobody has to tell us it's going to get worse. We know that it is. Amen. And this is very clear. This revelation is very clear about that. And after he said prayer is the most effective way to push back the darkness, both here and coming, he then breathed towards me. Now I'm next to the building looking at him, and the building is behind me. The church is behind me with a a little fire on the top of the roof. And he breathed towards me, and it went past me, and it felt like a hot breeze on a hot August summer day. It was hot. I mean, it was hot to the touch. And this hot breath uh, goes by me. It went through me. And even in the dream, and even at night, it felt like the hair on my arm was standing up because of what had gone past me, the breath of God. And when it got to the building, it set the entire church on fire. There was fire there before, but when he breathed on it, That's when the fire erupted, and it was like the burning bush that was not consumed. And even looking in the windows, you could see the fire was inside the building. So they've been praying with passion, 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 and a little bit of fire on top. And the fire of what Jesus breathed towards us, or towards that church of people praying, It erupted. It was like when you hear the whoosh sound. That's That was what it was like. And people were praying with fire, and they were praying loud, and they got louder and louder and louder and louder. It was exciting. I have a lot of different emotions when I'm having the dreams. Uh, In the dream, it was like, this is good. This is powerful. Lord, I knew this is what I want for my life. I turned to look at the man now instead, because I had been looking at the building that had just erupted into flame and burning. And I turned to look at the man, but he was gone. But I heard his words. He said, I am with you, church. I am with you. 
and there is more to do. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when he tapped his ear twice and pointed, I knew he was saying, Church, listen, you need to pray. Amen. And then we got this revelation given to Tiana Fire, 521.23. And we called it Overcomers and the Evil Army. I saw all the local brethren together worshiping, and they were all in the light and unity in Christ. I then saw an enormous army of evil spirits of all different kinds, hatred, murder, perversion, unbelief, witchcraft, unforgiveness, and so very many more evil spirits. The evil spirits had an enormous variety of weapons and tactics. Well, what is also true is that these hordes of demons prefer to assault others in a host of wicked humans so that their tactics are not known. There were waves of these evil spirits, and there were so many it heavily outnumbered the brethren. Uh, Job 10 and 17 says, Thou renewest thy witness against me, and increasest thine indignation upon me. Changes and warfare are with me. Psalm 27, 2 and 3. When evildoers came upon me to eat up my flesh, even mine adversaries and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, even then will I be confident. The evil army got closer and closer to the brethren, but there was this invisible wall and roof of protection around them. The evil spirits couldn't get into this individual house of protection. Uh, Psalm 91 says, 1 through 3, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Amen. But the evil spirits could see them, but were not able to touch them. And the evil spirits had such anger and unforgiveness towards the brethren. And I think that's probably because they can't accept that they are forever separated from God and their judgment is pending. Mm-hmm. They were jealous of the brethren because they could see that God loves them and God gave, God's grace is on them and they could see Jesus in them. The evil spirits hate all of this and are of pure evil. The evil spirits tried to send fear to the brethren by making scary faces. I would say, sometimes seen in the faces of their hosts. Vain imaginations, dread, apprehension of of evil, and so on. And by trying to get them to doubt 
God or by trying to make them think and feel themselves to be unworthy and unholy. In other words, rejection, condemnation, and so on. The evil spirits would um, try to intimidate the brethren by sending lies to cause fear from outside this invisible protection. But these unclean spirits were unsuccessful because the brethren cast down all unholy thoughts, fears, rejection, doubt, unbelief, etc., and I would say Second Corinthians ten three through six says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to casting down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ." and being in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience shall be made full. The enemy could not do anything. Well, we know that faith in the promises binds the enemy, and praise binds the enemy. Psalm 149, right? Because the brethren ignored them. The brethren did not entertain or accept those thoughts and feelings. Instead, they kept their focus on and being in Jesus. So they were completely protected and the enemy was defeated. Well, that's where our mind should be, on being in Jesus, not being caught up in the the devil's thoughts and our thoughts mixed with theirs and so on and so forth. Ephesians 4 and 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. So you don't have to give place to the devil, right? And James 4 and 7 says, Be subject therefore unto God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Okay. Uh, this we called End Time Dream, Man-Child in Training. This is uh, Samuel Fire, 5, 25, 23. I dreamed it was the end times era. Everything was dry and dusty and orange colored. Well, orange often represents warning, danger, or anarchy, right? There were no trees or grass, only dirt, meaning probably the wilderness. Many people were missing and very few people inhabited the city. Well, the coming destruction will cause many to flee from the cities and uh, to flee from man itself, you know. Many homes were vacant, cars were left scattered everywhere. So if people were not driving their cars, possibly because of an EMP or because of fuel shortages, um, you can bet the fuel is going to go down too, right? Uh, loss of jobs, sickness, and the jab. Businesses are closing, banks foreclosing, etc. Everything was collecting dirt and dust and had a thick layer on anything that had not been used. It was dressed 
I was dressed in old clothes with a, a rag for a scarf and an old baseball cap with uh, ski goggles to keep my eyes protected. And I was carrying a backpack. Well, Luke seventeen twenty-eight says, Likewise, even as it came to pass in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But in the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. After the same manner shall it be in the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Hmm. In that day he shall be on the housetop. Um, he that shall be on the housetop and his goods in the house, let him not go down to take them away. Let him that is in the field likewise not return back. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore let us also, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I went out because we needed food, even though my wife was very adept at making a big meal from very little ingredients. <laughs> we now were running very low, and I reluctantly had to go out to source goods. My wife and son were safe and didn't need to go with me. So I got ready in the early hours before sunrise, so I had as much time as possible to travel and to get back home. Well, we all want to be ready before the sun, S-O-N slash S-U-N, rises in the man-child so that we don't miss what God is going to do. We've got a leadership coming. Amen. I walked for a very long time checking many buildings to see whether there were any groceries left in cupboards. Uh, I didn't find much, only a couple of cans of beans. Along my journey, I met a man. He was very cautious. His dress was like the biblical times, but also wearing a jacket and a wide-brimmed hat. He had a long beard and wore sunglasses. He didn't say very much, but he was very friendly. I asked the Lord who the bearded man is, and my finger was on a list of sons from Luke three twenty four through 38. And I think the bearded man represents another brother in Christ, more mature in the ways of Jesus. The man led me to a shop, but it was not a typical store. There was barely anything, just a few shelves with hardly anything on them. The shop looked like it was a front for something else. The man then asked me what I was doing out here, 
And I replied, I'm out here for food. We rely on God for everything. He said, hmm, okay. Uh, Well, Acts 7 and 11 says, Now there came a famine over all of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. He then asked one unusual question. Do you have anything that someone could use to identify you? I said, I have have my wallet. And he said, okay. Then suddenly he said, now quickly get down and pray in silence and don't move. Then shortly after, a man with a bicycle entered the store. I saw to my side that this other man uh, just stood there staring at me. Then he slowly moved through the store while walking his bike going past me. I saw him uh, open up a secret door, and he went through it and closed it behind him. Kind of hidden in plain sight, maybe? The bearded man and I got up from uh, kneeling, and I said, There is a secret door here. There must be a secret base behind it. The man said, Yes. And I said, But the door has no locks or password combo. And he said, Yes, only those led by God will know where it is and would be able to come in. Revelation 3 and 8 says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee a door opened, which none can shut, that thou hast a little power, and didst keep my word, and uh, didst not deny my name. We went in, and it looked like a small group of maybe 11 or 12 people uh, were in there talking. Well, 12 is the number of the elect, and 11 is the number of the elect without Judas. (laughs) Yes, that's true. They looked like they were uh, leaders of refugees and had gathered for a meeting. The man I was with talked to them, and then he came back to me. He sat down at a desk and handed me a few sheets with interesting drawings. The drawings were about things required to give up so you could be able to continue with God. And if you had passed all the requirements on the first sheet, you could go on to the next sheet. And after all these lists, the group deemed it good to be uh, able to lead a group uh, in a refuge. So he was obviously chosen. First uh-huh. Timothy 1 and 12. I thank him that enabled me, even Christ Jesus our Lord, for that he counted me faithful, appointing me to his service. Matthew 19 and 29. And every one that hath left houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake and for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. Things they had to give up, right? Amen. 
One of the refuge leaders started explaining about all these things, but I forget what they were, except for one that I remembered. As he went down the list, I called out and I said, This one is about lust. And he said, Yeah, that's the one where so many fall away. I said, Wow, okay. Revelation 12 and 4 says, And his tail draweth a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. I then asked the group, What if someone turns up on the opposition, you know, a a bad guy? And they said, God will lead us and tell us when, where, and what to do. 1 John 4, 1 and 2. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but prove the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, not was, is come in the flesh, is of God. Well, amen. You can you can discern people by their spirit. Later, after we all had eaten, cleaned up, and got into newer clothes, they handed me a bag of canned food to take home. Then a couple, a man and a woman, came in. They appeared to be nice and friendly and were dressed in modern clothes. They said they were just like us. I told the whole group what I thought about them, plainly stating, they're government. So what do you do about them? The man then said, how did you know that? I said, they clearly aren't like us and are pretending to get in. Galatians 2 and 4, and that by that because of the false brethren privily brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Yes. The bearded man said, God will tell us what to do. We're not worried about anything. If we have time, we can gather items and leave. If not, we just leave with the shirt on our back and run. God has always protected us. Well, amen, and he always will, too. Then the um, impersonating couple reached for a radio or phone and pressed a button. Suddenly I could hear that there were multiple cars driving up to the area. Everyone got up and rushed about and grabbed stuff and ran in different ways out of the base. I went with the bearded man. We were running through streets and over fences, etc. We were being chased by a car and being uh, shot at by the passenger in the car with a pistol. I became separated from the bearded man and I ran to the right up an alley. And when I came out the other side, I saw a white Mercedes in very good condition. I thought, I wonder if this is unlocked and if I can uh, use it. 
I tried it, and it opened. I exclaimed, Praise God! I jumped in and turned it on for to uh, first go, and it sounded so smooth and powerful, and I drove off. Well, white vehicle probably represents power to the sanctified ones, right? I saw the bearded man from before. He was running along the fence line, so I drove to pick him up. Just afterwards, the bad guy's car came again and started shooting at us again. And I drove uh, the car as the Spirit led me, taking corners like a pro race driver, and they couldn't hit us or keep us with uh, our speed, keep up with our speed. Um, Romans eight twelve through 14 says, So then, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We had to go onto a main road to continue, and then an armored tank, completely black in color, came up on the horizon towards us. I thought, oh wow, that tank could blow us apart. The bearded man said, never fear. Psalm 56, 2 through 4. Mine enemies would swallow me up all the day long, for they are many that fight proudly against me. What time I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can flesh do unto me? Amen. Fear is inviting the enemy to do dirty. I immediately turned right, and I drove through fences and through yards and into a valley, an alley, and then behind many houses. We kept going past many larger homes with huge yards. Strangely, no one was home in any of the places. Well, the cities are prime targets for invaders and are under the most judgment from God, too, according to the word. People have left their homes and belongings and fled into the wilderness. We then saw a drainage area on the side of the road for when it rained too much and the area flooded. We drove into it and stopped. We both felt calm and knew no one could see us here. Just then, in the natural, my phone made a noise, and I woke up. Be ready to answer the call to follow Jesus. Amen. He will lead us through the wilderness. He is our man-child. He is our Moses. He will lead us through the wilderness, right? Amen. And we call this one UBM Wilderness Refuge. Tiana Fire, 524-23. I dreamed that there were many people that wanted to go to the UBM Refuge. But to get there, they had to go through this difficult and dangerous wilderness. Well, 
This is to test whether a person is ready to enter a refuge or needs more chastening in the wilderness, right? To the Israelites, the wilderness was a filter to keep the wicked from entering the promised land. Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says this, Enter ye by the narrow gate, for wide and spacious is the way that leadeth uh, unto destruction, and many are they that enter thereby, because narrow the gate and straighten the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. That's from the N-E-N-T. There was a certain city, and on the outskirts of this city was a giant grassy terrain, and it went on further than you could see. It eventually led to snow and desert areas also. There were many hills and mountains with caves, too. But once you left the city, it was just this wilderness that you saw and no civilization. Well, leaving the city of Babylon or Egypt of this world would uh, be trials and tribulations of the wilderness. Amen. But God was with them in the wilderness, and he will be with the people of God today. Many people would come to this area to start their journey to UBM. And mostly people would come in groups to try and help each other to get there. Some people would get lost and were never found again. Others would die from animal attacks or from the weather, while some people would return back to the city, and only a few people ever made it to the UBM refuge. True. Many people have moved here and have been tried and tested to see if they should be part of this this body of Christ. Some people never made it here. Uh, several people who have come have failed in their love tests and have not had a true desire for holiness and submission to Christ. First John 2 and 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they all are not of us. This is true. I was coming from far away to get to this place, so I flew on a plane to this city. And then I was transported by a vehicle that was like a roller coaster to get to the starting point of the journey in the wilderness. Well, I'm guessing that this represents the mountains and the valleys. The roller coaster was very high off the ground, and it seemed very unstable. And it was completely packed with many people. Isaiah 40 and 4 says, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the uneven shall be made level, and uh, the rough places a plain. The roller coaster traveled fast through the city to the outskirts of the city, and suddenly 
the roller coaster started going in circles so fast, and many people fell off the roller coaster as the seat belts and everything else was very unstable. Uh, roller coaster rides have been used to type many ups and downs and backs and forth uh, trials of life. And truly, this is where many are headed. Many trials and tribulations to learn to trust in God, right? I held on to the seat with one hand and almost slipped off, but asked God for help. And God supernaturally kept me from falling off because naturally I should have fallen off. And another N-E-N-T, Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The roller coaster landed on the ground, and there were less than half of us left that were originally on the roller coaster. Sounds like the great falling away, doesn't it? We were now at the starting point of the journey to the UBM Refuge. We were advised to stick together. We were given a map on how to get there. Uh, A unity in one corporate body of Christ is what this represented, sticking together. And uh, the whole wilderness area was a gigantic size with different types of areas, like uh, probably around the world. We stayed together in a group the first day following what the map said. Towards the evening, we found a very run-down, tiny, ancient house. It was completely empty, and the ground inside was dirt, but it protected us from the weather and the wild animals. 1 Timothy 6 and 8 says, But having food and covering, we shall be there with content. We all slept on the floor and heard many wolves howling outside. I had a dream where God clearly said to me, The map they gave you was made by man, and it is not the right instructions to get to UBM. Well, this is like many who are taught the Bible with carnal interpretations and won't arrive in the kingdom. Amen. I woke up and knew that I couldn't go any further with what the map said, and I prayed heavily, and God told me that the real way is the complete opposite direction to what the map said. Yep, I mean, it's opposite to what a lot of men say in churches. He showed me the very next step about where to go next. Psalm 32 and 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will counsel thee with mine eye upon thee. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. When morning came, I told everyone what God showed me, and only five of the people believed me. Everyone else continued to follow the map 
In other words, man's advice. Now, it was me and five others, and we stopped to seek God constantly to get the right directions. What seemingly is true may be uh, ear-tickling doctrines. Um, All your ways need to be checked with the Holy Spirit according to His Word. During the day, we went through desert and rocky areas, and we ended in grassy terrain. It was now late evening, and we were to start going into desert terrain. But then God stopped me and said, Don't continue any more today. Stay here tonight and continue tomorrow. Well, like the Israelites were guided through the wilderness, right? I obeyed, and only two others believed me and stayed with me. The other three continued alone into the desert. One of the people that uh, stayed with me said that if those others don't have faith in God to protect them and keep warm, they will freeze overnight. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, and hath not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, then shall they have warmth. But na- But how... Can one be warm alone? And if a man prevail against him that is alone, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. True. We continued journeying through all different terrains. And a few times God led us into caves uh, to keep warm. Uh, and one time he made the resources for a fireplace to appear. My faith kept increasing in the dream, and I got to a point where I believed that God would keep me warm even without a fire, and God would protect me from wild animals. Yes. God can do supernatural things through our faith in the promises of Christ. Amen. One day, some hyenas came around us, intimidating us. And one of the people with me was fearful and didn't believe God would protect him. So he was taken out. However, the remaining person and I believed, and we were kept safe and the animals could, couldn't touch us. It felt like weeks, maybe months, of us walking through this wilderness, but God said we were almost there. It was um, hot one day, and uh, the, the other person I was with became weary in his soul, and he started becoming weak in spirit and gave in to doubt and unbelief, and he died. I was alone. I kept praying and going on where the Lord said to, and I eventually made it to the UBM area. I was greeted by Chuck and Winnie and Lakeisha. 
I gave them all uh, a big hug and felt so much love and care for them. Winnie and Lakeisha kept clean, uh, helped clean me up and gave me clothes and food, and they were all so kind. I went and sat on the couch next to the two women. Uh, Chuck was on the, uh, on another couch. And in the dream, I had a British accent. And then he started to share his testimony about how he got to UVM, and I woke up. British accent, maybe God was going to send him there, right? He needed to know the lingo. Okay, this one we called Angel's Guide to Refugees. Refugees. Okay, this was given to Eve Brass back on 7-15-08. It was dark outside, and it seemed like we spent the night there. And suddenly the next morning, late in the morning, a young man with short brown hair burst through the front gates, front glass door, and braced it open with his foot and said very excitedly, David said, it's time to go to the wilderness. We, that is our UBM study group, all hurried out into the parking lot with the kids and a supersonic noise got my attention. I thought it was a jet plane flying overhead. As I looked up into the sky, there were no clouds, and the sky was blue about 11 a.m., and I saw an arrow-shaped vapor trail just clearing the mall on the right and high up in the sky and flying overhead towards the left. It went all the way around the world, and then I watched it come up from the horizon ahead of me. And I followed it overhead and turned around to watch it head down the horizon behind me. But it stopped 30 degrees up from the horizon and faced us. Then we realized it wasn't a jet, but an angel. He had golden curled hair and a simple white robe with a thin gold rope around his waist. He motioned with his right arm and forefinger to follow him in that direction. So we all started to walk in that direction, and then I woke up. The arrow-shaped vapor trail cleared the roof of the mall uh, from the east, heading west down past the horizon, around the world, and came up the northern horizon and headed over our heads towards the southern horizon. Then it stopped 30 degrees from the southern horizon. Our UBM group then all began to walk towards the direction of the south, following the angel. Our UBM group was located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, and when the people of God uh, left Egypt to go into the wilderness, you will remember, um, they were headed towards the refuge from the beast. They went south first and then went north 
to their promised land. So that's kind of interesting. I felt in the dream that this angel was showing multiple groups of people at the same time around the world where their refuges were. Um, well, I it was an angel of God that guided Israel into the wilderness place of safety from the beast kingdom in Exodus 12 and 37 and 13 and 20 and 14 and 19. And I believe God's angels will do this for UBM and saints all over the world. This way, only the right people will be in the right place, right? <laughs> um, also, there is another type of angel or messenger that will guide God's people to their wilderness refuge during the tribulation. Satellites are commonly called angels nowadays. And Sky Angel is a satellite network. And there is a Road Angel satellite navigation system. And the military had a program since 2004 called Autonomous Nanosatellite Guardian uh, Evaluating Local Space, or ANGELS, to watch over us. There's also Digital Angel, which was a designed microchip readable from the satellite uh, for the beast system. And three angels in Revelation 14, 6 through 9, preach the gospel. And they warn of judgment and the fall of Babylon and of the mark of the beast and uh, from mid-heaven is where they were. And all of this before the middle of the tribulation. So we believe that the Lord would have us to use satellite angels to reach the majority of the population of earth uh, with this same message and will guide some to the wilderness refuge. Satellites are also commonly called birds. Revelation 12 and 13 says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. And there was given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half a time, from the face of the serpent. So, I'll leave some links here for other things you can read. And this is from Vincent Xavier, 71008, America, a Nation of Refugees. Americans will be roaming through the streets. The Lord has shown this writer that American will be known America will be known as a nation of refugees. People will be roaming to and fro from one city to another, seeking shelter and rest. The Lord said that what we saw in New Orleans after the hurricane called Katrina hit will become a national reality because they scattered people in many directions. 
Just as those people fled uh, from their destroyed city to other places or other cities, so shall it be in the days ahead because of the several nuclear detonations, uh, natural disasters, and other terrorist-related incidents in major cities across America. On the same day, millions will be wandering from sea to shining sea looking for a place of safety and rest. Yes, I agree. During this time of wandering, people will become infected as biological and chemical weapons are released upon the population. Great food shortages and water shortages are going to cause rioting and looting in an unprecedented way. Great violence will emerge and a strong spirit of brutality will manifest. Katrina is the picture multiplied a thousand times. Hmm. Las Vegas, Nevada will be a ghost town. People will be wandering through the emptied and mostly destroyed casinos and city shopping malls. And they will fondle gaming chips that uh, possess no value. Las Vegas shall surely be a haunt of every unclean bird, and jackals will reside in that place. Martial law will be imposed within the nation. A time of complete desperation will hit, and those who barked like dogs in so-called revivals will whimper at the devastation and all the foolery will amount to nothing. Those who refused to repent but uh, went after the gifts will come away empty-handed and their short-lived healing will be uh, their short-lived healings will be met with eternal burnings because their hearts were led astray into great deception as the scriptures said they would. The burning heart of repentance can no longer be seen in America. The cry for repentance is falling upon deaf ears, and the masses are being led into the slaughter. The day of slaughter began on 911, and it has escalated into a worldwide epidemic as hundreds of thousands are being destroyed daily. Yes, and in the future, more of what he saw. The prophets are fools, those in the harlot church. The people are mad upon their idols. A sword against the treasury of the United States has been unsheathed. It will strike their treasures and take them away to another land. I will transfer the wealth of the nations to another uh, at this particular time, great wealth is coming, and God will distribute it as He will, and uh, it will be used to build the kingdom, but also the wealth of the nation is going downhill because people that won't repent. It is over. The collapse is sure. The time of debate is ended. America will be a nation of refugees. Those who hate 
shall meet with hatred, and those who mocked shall be a derision, and those who refuse to obey shall be punished. Terror shall take hold of a nation that has forsaken the law of the Lord. Saints, find your way to the cities of refuge. Begin to build your lives in those places. Because obviously children, sometimes children don't want to go with you when they're grown up and got their friends and family. and so. If God tells you to move now, you should move now, right? So go to those places that uh, uphold the laws of the Lord and you will be protected. Build cities that will welcome and provide for survivors who are sent from the Lord. These will be seeking uh, Christ Jesus from true hearts. Establish godly leaders within the cities of refuge, for the transfer will come to a nation within a nation. Fill up the storehouses. Many will be led by the Spirit to these safe places they never knew of. Amen. The coastlands will perish. Seek refuge now. It's late. Let us not linger any more, he says. Well, I would just like to say that the real good news is that revival will spring forth wherever the elect are. And people will know the value of texts like Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover thee with His pinions, and under His wings shalt thou take refuge. His truth is a shield and a buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked, for thou, O Lord, art my refuge. Thou hast made the Most High thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy tent. For he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. What powerful promises in Psalm 91. It covers the whole gamut of what you might know from what we just read will be throughout the earth, literally. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent shalt thou trample underfoot. 
Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. A place of safety, right? Because he hath known my name, and he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. How awesome this text is. And how positive are the promises. Some people think that God is willy-nilly, you know. Uh, he may answer, he may not, you know. Well, I want to tell you, in hard times and when you really need him, he's always going to be there. And if you will ask and believe you have received, as Jesus commanded us to do, you will see signs and wonders to preserve you, to feed you, to deliver you, etc., etc. God is faithful to His Word. His promises are sure. And if you believe that they're not, then they're not. And most churches, I will tell you, need a tribulation to find this out because they don't know God. They don't know He's positive when He speaks anything in His Word. Any promise in His Word is true. And they think, because of their false teachings, that sometimes He answers and sometimes He doesn't. Well, if you believe that, then you don't have faith, because faith believes you have received. It's not maybe. It's believing you have received. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received It's past tense. Them, and you shall have them. God is going to bring His people into a wilderness to learn to trust and know Him. He is not satisfied with lukewarm religion or lukewarm people. He wants people to walk as those early disciples did. He told those early disciples, to go and make disciples and to teach them to obey and observe everything that He told them. And so we know that those promises that He gave them were true, and they stood uh, strong on those promises and persevered through their wilderness time because that's what they were entering into, those first disciples who went about to spread the good news they were in a terrible time. and um, But they went out, as Jesus said, without money, without extra clothes, without shoes. Uh, you know, they went out, and God preserved and provided everywhere. And so, in these days, um, it's hard to pack very much of it with you. Kind of like the Israelites, when they went into the wilderness, they probably did pack quite a bit of stuff. But they found out pretty quickly that that wasn't going to work. <laughs> and so they probably ate up all their food pretty quickly, you know, and drank all their water, as we know, uh, pretty quickly and so on. They needed to learn to trust in God. And God purposely led them into these trials to learn them to walk by faith. The righteous shall live from faith. God uh, loves those who walk by faith. The double-minded, he doesn't like, he doesn't answer, okay? Repentance is needed for the double-minded people in the double-minded churches because that's what they all are. They've been taught to be that way. But we need to know 
that God is with us and He will provide. And if it has to be a supernatural provision, then it has to be a supernatural provision. That's not a problem with God, right? So, I've seen many supernatural provisions in my life, and I wouldn't trade them for anything. I was in a wilderness when I received them because I had a need, right? And we're seeing today many people who have needs getting miracles from God. God wants us to know He is there. He wants us to walk as sons of God. He's here to create sons of God. Sons of God look like Jesus. (laughs) They talk like Jesus. They have faith like Jesus. That's what he's after. Sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. Right? And uh, he's not satisfied with less, or he wouldn't need a tribulation to bring them into places where they have to turn to God. You know? Again, I believe they went into the wilderness all prepared best they could, and that ran out pretty quickly, and then they had to trust in God. And so it is with us, you know. God's provision is wonderful. It's great. We thank Him for it. But He wants us to live supernaturally. The righteous shall live from faith, and if he shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He has no pleasure in those who walk after the lusts of their flesh. Amen? Our God is a consuming fire. He wants to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble in our lives. He wants to burn the fat off of us, right? The flesh off of us. As we go through the wilderness, we will see His miracles, His provision. We will rejoice in the great signs and wonders and healings and deliverances and provisions and salvations that He provides. We will see them. They will be great and awesome. A demonstration in our life for the worldly people to see and to come into the kingdom. Because they too will be out there in trouble. And they will see those crazy Christians uh, getting provided by God everything they need, and they will learn the way of faith. In fact, they will probably learn it quicker than the people in the dead churches have spent many of their lives in those churches never learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? But our God is going to make the truth valuable. First, he's going to raise up the man-child ministry. Then he's going to raise up the two-witness ministry. And the truth is going to be so valuable that people are going to come to these ministries and seek out the truth that they need to provide for themselves. Well, Lord, we praise you. We praise you and we thank you. You have an awesome plan. It will definitely work. It will definitely work. People will be forced to seek you out when before they only trusted in man's ways, man's religion, so on and so forth. But now they will seek you out, Lord, and they will learn to hear your Spirit. They will learn to speak in tongues to pray for their needs, uh, which they don't know, but God does. Amen. That's the reason for speaking in tongues. Amen. And, Lord, they will learn um, 
the language of your people. They will learn the ways of your people. Uh, they will see how valuable they are in a situation where man cannot provide, as it was when the Israelites went into the wilderness. Uh, they didn't have boxcars coming out of Egypt to feed and provide for them. They learned it came from God. And Father, your people, you want them to walk as sons of God. You're training up and creating sons of God. You've got people to put us on our crosses, um, and they're doing it now. And in the wilderness, of course, there'll be those that are doing it then, putting us on our crosses, teaching us to learn to speak the language of the kingdom, to provide for us, to prepare for us, and to preserve us through times when it will be very difficult. Father, we love you and we praise you. We know that you're working all things together for our good um, because we're called according to your purpose here. And uh, thank you so much, Father, that your love for us will continue all the way through the wilderness. Many people say because uh, they're in a deprived type situation that obviously God does not love them anymore. The, the uh, prosperity gospel will fall on the ground. You know, It's not that God won't provide your every need. He will certainly do that. But it's not for your every greed, which is what the prosperity gospel is all about. Living after the lusts of the flesh. What's going to happen when they don't have these things and, uh, and they have to live in a wilderness? Most of those people have never lived in a wilderness. But they do have one thing in common, and that is good, and that is a knowledge of the way faith works. Now they're going to learn to use their faith in order to provide for themselves, in order to heal themselves, in order to uh, deliver them from disease that's rampant everywhere and so on and so forth. God will not fail us. He has a good plan. He is sending us into the wilderness for a good plan. If you want to go to the promised land, if you see the promised land in one type as heaven, you have to go through the wilderness to get there. You cannot jump over the wilderness. Some people say they're not going through tribulation. Well, they haven't learned to be sons of God. And yet we're called to walk and talk and live in the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that same image from glory to glory as from the Spirit, right? So that's what God's called us to be in His image. Can you imagine Jesus having any trouble in the wilderness? <laughs> no. No more than Moses, right? Most of Moses' trouble was with the people. <laughs> He'd already been in the wilderness, and he learned God's supplies there. And he was uh, rested in the Lord. So, coming into the image of Jesus, we also will be rested in the Lord. You know, Jesus traveled over wide areas of territory, and yet God supplied his need everywhere he went. And his disciples learned the same thing. 
so that he was able to send them out without their own provision to do the same thing and uh, bring the gospel. Because obviously you can't pack all that stuff and, and go very far, right? So they knew that wherever they went, there was a provision ready for them. And so it is with us. We have great provision for us. None of the, most of the people of God have never learned the provision we have right now with us today to provide for us for these uh, plagues that they're throwing at us, you know, to overcome them, to walk by faith, because uh, we have divine health, not just divine healing. He said, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And he said that, of course, Jesus um, became a curse for us so that we could have Abraham's blessings, meaning he bore the curse. All these things that we're talking about coming upon people in the wilderness represent the curse. And the people themselves coming against them uh, represent the curse. We've been delivered from the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. That's why they have provision in the wilderness. Because they're not under the curse. That's why they've got protection from uh, biological weapons. They're not under the curse. That's why they have provision from nuclear weapons. They're not under the curse. Yes, the Lord showed me. He moved people. Uh, or he preserved them right through nuclear Holocaust. There is every provision in Jesus Christ. Every provision is ours in Him as we abide in Him. When we see Him in the mirror, what we're saying is that Jesus lives in me. And He does. But you have to lean upon Him. You have to lean upon your spiritual man. And leaning upon him is praying and believing you have received. Jesus said that to his disciples. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you receive them and you shall have them. How valuable that is. Learn how to use verses like that now. And if any two of you agree as touching anything, it shall be done by our Father. Learn how to use these verses now. Now. The tribulation is coming. You need to know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You need to know this. Yes, all these disasters are coming upon the world. And we can't just hide out in some place. We're here to go out and to show people these things and to preach the good gospel to them so that they know how to be preserved. If we don't do that, we will be under the curse ourselves. We give, so it shall be given unto us, right? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. If you give the gospel, you'll receive the gospel, right? And if you give to people in need around you, you don't have to worry about it because you know you've got a provision down the road. Some people are stingy because they're afraid God's not going to provide for them. Well, if they're afraid God's not going to provide for them, they're not going to get provided for. Because fear is faith in reverse. It's faith in the devil. It's faith in the curse. 
So you have to learn to turn loose of what you got. So, and it will be multiplied back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So, you have to sow. You have to learn to sow in order to reap. Because you reap what you sow. So, therefore, you have to sow in order to reap. You see? So, if you want to die in the wilderness, don't sow. (laughs) You see somebody in need, don't withhold if you have to give to them because you're it's going to be multiplied back to you in order to sow it again, not to keep like the prosperity gospel people. It's not to keep. It's not to make yourself fat and filthy rich and and not have any needs because they're all going to have needs. They're all headed to a place where there are needs. This is how God teaches us faith. And he is not happy with people who do not have faith. Right? Just going to church and warming up you and going home and doing your own thing, that's not what He's called us to do. He's called us to come into His image. And that we don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. We look in the mirror we see Jesus. Christ lives in us. The Jesus, the same Jesus, lives in us. Call upon Him. He will provide. He will deliver. He will abundantly uh, provide all of your needs in the coming wilderness. Don't worry about a thing. Um, I, I disagree with just one thing that was said, I think, and that is this big storage that we're needing. Well, let me tell you, if you got the big storage, who's going to be looking for it? Yeah, that's right. If you got it, just eat it. And give it to others to eat. Um, some people, like Mormons, like to store up this great big storage. But they don't know. Everybody knows Mormons do that. So they're going to look, look for a, norm, a Mormon to knock them in the head and take their food. See? And if you don't have it, nobody can steal it. He said, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't break through and steal. How do you store it up in heaven? By giving it out. By giving it out. That's right. Give it and you will receive it. It will come back multiplied. Oh, glory to God. That's what he said. How can he do that in such a society as what we're talking about here? He can do it. He can multiply the fishes and the loaves. I've been there. I've seen him multiply food. He can do it. I seen him put food in our stomachs when we ran out of food to put it on a, on our plates. And if he can put it in your stomach, he can give it to you anywhere. He can do it in a desert. Oh God, he is so awesome. We have tapped into so little of what he has for us. But you see, we're going into this wilderness place so we can see what he has for us. And how awesome is that ever going to be to see God's provision, not only for us, but for other people who will be preserved alive because we tell them the truth and because we've experienced the truth. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we love you. And uh, we're looking forward to this. We're looking forward to the great outpouring of your Holy Spirit. 
um, through your man-child ministry. Amen. And that um, that great provision in Joel chapter 2 of the restoration that we can have of health and uh, vitality uh, and so on. This, this uh, restoration God's promised us. Lord, we put our trust in you and we praise you and we thank you that this is going to be a good thing for God's people. People would look on this as bad, 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 bad. Uh, well, that's the way the apostate church would look on it, but it's going to be good, good, good because it's going to bring people into the kingdom and teach them how to walk as he walked and talk as he talked. Amen. Oh, praise you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Well, okay, saints, um, we'll do this again sometime. Um, get Psalm 91 down in your heart and um, put your trust in the Lord. He is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. God bless. Good night. Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water made me let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. darkest night what will be my guiding light the shining rays of red and white Jesus I trust in you sacred heart in you I find mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus, oh Jesus, I trust in you, I trust in you.